Hi and welcome to Artful Loving. In this episode I want to talk about a problem that often comes up in relationship and this is a discrepancy in sexual desire. So stick around and hopefully you'll learn something. Welcome to Artful Loving, where together we master the world of love, sex and relationships. Brought to you by me, Nick Tovey. Hi there, I'm Nick Tovey, Relationships and Intimacy Counsellor and Coach. If you would like to learn a little more about me, go and check out my website, nicktovey.com. Uh, if you haven't already, go ahead and click the subscribe button. And if you'd like to engage in the community a little more, come over to Patreon. So in this episode, I want to discuss a problem, a challenge that often comes up in relationships. Um, relationships of all kinds. Uh, and of course, it can change and, and fluctuate in, in different stages of a relationship as well. And this challenge is desire discrepancy. What do I mean by that? I mean, having a difference in our sexual appetite, the level of frequency that we like to have sex, the kind of sex that we want to engage in, and and just having some level of discrepancy between each partners around how that happens, what that's all about, what we want, what we desire, what's going to work for us in that relationship. It can often be a, a really challenging place for couples to navigate and particularly having the conversations around what each other desires and needs and expects when it comes to sex and sexuality and intimate engagement in the relationship. The first thing I want to bring up here is expectation. It's really important when we're in a relationship that we check and examine our expectations. Just because we're in a relationship with somebody doesn't mean that they owe you sex. Doesn't mean that there's some level of entitlement that you have uh, around having your sexual needs met. Of course, we want to have them met. We want to be able to engage in, in, a, in a mutually uh, fulfilling sexual relationship. That's really, really important. But it's also extremely important and a lot of problems come uh, from uh, desire and sexual discrepancy when there's an expect a sense of expectation, a sense of entitlement from one partner to the other. That is crucial to check and to examine and to let go of before we even start to look at how we come together uh, and create a healthy sexual relationship with each other as a couple. So how do we work out what a good, healthy sexual relationship is? You know, there's no such thing as, uh, as perfection, as an ideal. Everybody has their own ideas and their own uh, unique appetite and, and, and libido and experience of sexual desire. It's, so it's important that when we come into this conversation, we are able to understand 
that another person is going to see things and feel things and experience things in a very different way than we are. So again, this is really coming down to those brass tacks around how we can do healthy relationships is understanding the individuality of the person we happen to be in relationship with and the fact that they see the world and experience the world through and from a very different perspective than we do. So of course, when we're talking about sexual desire and sexual appetite, there are so many different things that can come into play around how our sexual desire and sexual appetite can be fueled or suppressed. When we're talking about suppression, for, for example, if we've got any level of trauma or wounding, particularly when we're talking about sexual trauma and uh, pe being hurt, having our boundaries not listened to, being touched in ways that aren't healthy, that aren't pleasant, that, uh, that are potentially abusive. These are all trauma experiences. And of course, they're going to create a sense of fear when it comes to intimacy, when it comes to engaging sexually, which a great way of protecting us from that fear and from that potential uh, re-traumatization or potential harm is to just not enjoy sex. That's not to say that everybody who has a low sexual appetite has some level of sexual trauma, of course not. But when we're talking about trauma, it also exists on a spectrum, yeah? So we can, of course, experience on one side of the spectrum things like rape and abuse, but also on the other side of the spectrum can be things that we may ordinarily perceive as being fairly minor, but they can cause a, a fear response, a strong fear response in the body, in the nervous system, and in the, in the psychology of that human being, uh, which can then go to create certain levels of discomfort when it comes to intimacy and sex and sexual connection. So these are things that, of course, can play a part when we're talking about suppression of sexual desire. Also, it's really, really important that simple foundational things like stress, like diet, sleep, um, of course, drug and alcohol intake, any of these things, uh, lifestyle factors can have, a, have an impact on our sexual aliveness, our, our life force, our vitality, and of course, our sexual desire. Um, so if any of those things are playing a big part in our life, i.e. we're not getting great sleep, we've got highly stressful uh, lifestyle work situation, um, of course, having kids in a relationship, young kids in a relationship, that's probably a podcast for uh, an episode for another day, specifically on how to how to navigate a relationship when there are new kids in the in the uh, equation. Of course, that can have a massive impact on the relationship and the sexual intimacy between the couple. Um, but of course, things like food, diet, alcohol. Uh, drug intake. These these things, of course, are going to have an impact on our physiology and and our uh, energy levels, and of course, that can then go on to impact and suppress 
our, our sexual desire, our sexual aliveness and our libido. So, of course, these are things that we need to look at when we're entering into this inquiry about sexual desire discrepancy. Another factor to examine is an, an, an overactive desire. Yeah, And of course, this isn't to say that that's necessarily wrong or pathological, um, but it can be. It can be a thing that we are, we, of course, we've all heard of sex addiction. And so what is sex addiction? Sex addic addiction is a grasping of an experience, i.e. in this example, the experience is sex, is pleasure, is, is orgasm, um, in order to get away from uh, an unpleasant feeling. That, at the very basic level, is an addictive drive, is a, is a compulsive drive. So if we're dealing with any level of grasping at a sexual experience in order to, to soothe, to self-soothe, to, to avoid uncomfortable feelings, to deal with stress and, and, and emotional problems, then that's, gonna, that's not a healthy expression of one's sexuality. Uh, so if that is the case, and if, let's say, for example, one partner in the relationship is seeking stress as a way to self-soothe, um, and then the other partner is not responding very well to that, then that can be a problem, yeah? That can be a problem that we, that we need to look at. And, and it may be that there are, there are some unhealthy expressions of sexuality and compulsive, addictive drives in, the, in a, one person's sexuality when their sex drive is uh, on the higher level of, of expression and need. So we've talked about a couple of the problematic and potentially pathological issues that can play a part in sexual de desire discrepancy. Um, but of course, there's just a normal, healthy expression of sexual desire and, and libido and, and sexual vibrancy and need for connection, desire for connection, um, that each person's going to have. And of course, they can be different. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing, and I think this is the important thing, that there's nothing wrong, wrong, <laughs> with any sexual desire discrepancy problem. And of course it can be a problem, but it doesn't have to be a problem. I think that's the important point. And, if, and also on that, everybody changes, everybody fluctuates. We can go through different times in our life when our, our sexual aliveness just is not very expressive. Uh, our desire becomes um, subdued in some way. Of course, that can happen from some of these lifestyle factors, i.e. mental health issues, uh, stress, anxiety, um, lifestyle factors like sleep and, and, and uh, eating and all of those things that I've already talked about. Um, but of course, just in a normal waxing and waning of a, a person's human uh, expression, the way they are in their life, things change. Things change. And of course, we've got two individuals in a relationship here. One person's sexual uh, aliveness is going to change and take on a different um, 
cycle than the other person. So we're going to have times when one's up here and one's down here and vice versa. We're going to flip flop. We're going to change. So it's and again, it's the important thing is that that we don't come at that from this idea that something's wrong because it may not be and it doesn't have to be. We can at least work with it. We can talk about it. And that is, of course, the main factor that we need to look at here and the main solution to this problem is having the conversations about how we're feeling sexually in our relationship, what works, what doesn't work, what uh, our ideal is around level of frequency, level of experience, what sort of sexual experiences are we talking about, what do we desire, what do we want, uh, what do we want to experience, what do we want to explore, are there any edges that we want to play with in our sexual expression. Um, these are all important conversations to have with your partner and I am consistently shocked and bemused and surprised by how little people talk about their sex life in a relationship. It's a, it, we, we have a lot of shame comes up, a lot of embarrassment, a lot of we have a lot of baggage in our lives when it comes to our sexuality and our sexual expression in relationships. So this is a vulnerable conversation to have with your partner, particularly if it's a new partner. But I think also, even if we've been together for a long time, I've worked with many couples that have been together for decades that have never had really good, healthy conversations around their sex life and what works and what doesn't work and what each other desires and, and doesn't desire. It's, it's, that's, a, that's a problem. That's really a problem here. Having these, of course, they're all, they, they can be awkward conversations. They can be a little clunky and a little embarrassing and, and they are vulnerable. We're talking about deeply intimate experiences of our life and of course we can have certain shames around how we like to express our sexuality, uh, particularly if we're talking about some potentially taboo subjects and, and edgy subjects when it comes to sexual expression. It's important that we can understand and hear each other in that without shaming each other, without putting each other down and really try to understand where each other's coming from and and of course being really honest and open and truthful about our needs and and what we're looking for, what we're desiring, what we're hoping for and inviting each other into uh, an opportunity to, to explore that in some ways. The really important part of any healthy sexual relationship is being present in that experience. A lot of people are having sex when they're not present, when they're in their mind and they may be in fantasy, they may be uh, anxious, feeling some levels of anxiety and they're really not, so from that place we're not able to properly fully connect with our partner when we're in a sexual exploration, a sexual experience. 
when we're wanting to create true intimate sex sexual experiences we want to be able to connect we want to connect at the eyes we want to connect at the heart and of course we want to connect at the body um, but in order to do that we need to be in the body we need to be feeling ourselves connecting with our, our emotional state our physical sensations we want to be focused uh, on the whole entire experience as well as the fact that we're sharing this with another human being. It's not something that I'm just in. Um, most people's sexual experience are often very goal-focused, very get-to-the-finish-line experiences, um, which, which, of course, we all enjoy having those experiences, but it takes us away from connection. It takes us away from intimacy. So often a part of uh, really trying to explore what intimacy can look like uh, is about creating deeper levels of connection. Intimacy is about connection. It's about here's another human being. How can I show them and share my heart with them and my body with them and my energy with them and this space with them, this moment with them, fully in that moment. So it's really important that we're in the moment, we're present in the body, in our feeling sense, and then sharing that with another human being. Often, when that hasn't been experienced, when sexual connection isn't very connected and intimate, then it doesn't feel good. It just doesn't feel good. There's a, there's a lack of, of substance, a lack of uh, beauty and, and, and passion and love in those experiences. So if that is, if that has been our experience, we're probably not very likely to move towards it uh, in, in, in any more ways because it's, it feels clunky, it feels unpleasant, it feels maybe a little, uh, a little potentially abusive and unsafe. So it's really important to create and maintain presence in those sexual encounters that we have. And this then takes us on to a problem that I, or a challenge that I often see in relationships is that it may be that both partners are really interested in sex. They really enjoy sex. They really uh, love connecting with each other in those sexual moments, but they have a, a challenge getting over, to the, over the line to being engaged in a sexual encounter. So it's not that we have a, a sexual problem, it's that we have a, a what we call a transitional problem where it's like, okay, maybe I've had a hard day, I'm tired, and all I want to do is, is sit on the couch and watch Netflix, yeah? Great. Not a, <laughs> not a bad way to spend an evening. And it's not a great way to create sexual intimacy in the relationship. That being said, it may be that nighttime is not the best time for you guys to have sex. Maybe you're more alive, more energized and more uh, creative and, and open in a morning or in, in the afternoon than you are at nighttime. Unfortunately, most people's lifestyle isn't, isn't very conducive to morning sex or afternoon sex because we're at work. We're doing our jobs in, and our activities in, in the day. And of course, by the end of the night, we're buggered. We're tired. Yeah, we don't feel like connecting sexually. It's and it's really difficult to 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 come together and to and to really uh, you know have that level of inspiration and commitment to okay, I'm going to engage in the sexual activity here. Yeah, 
But what I think is important is to recognise that intimacy doesn't necessarily have to be sex. We can have intimacy, we can have beautiful, connected, intimate moments that don't invo involve genital-to-genital -genital touching, yeah? It, it, it's, and of course, it's great if that happens, but I think what we need to do is let go of the idea that intimacy only involves putting our genitals together. It doesn't have to. If it's too hard or for some reason we don't feel like uh, connecting our genitals together and having penetrative sex, then maybe we just put that aside for now, for this moment. But we can still connect intimately. We can exchange touch. We can exchange pleasure. We can be connected at the heart, at the body, at the energy levels, and of course at the mind. Um, so it's important maybe we need to expand our repertoire for what intimacy can look like and can be experienced like. And most importantly, and I'll reiterate this because it is really, really important, is that we talk about it. We have conversations. We come down and sit together, whether we're at the dinner table, maybe not with the kids present, um, but we're having a moment where we're not feeling rejected. We're not feeling emotional about it, but we're coming together at a time where we both feel open and we both feel ready to have potentially an awkward and vulnerable conversation. It's, it's, we need to have courage in order to go to those clunky spaces, those vulnerable spaces. Otherwise, how can we hope to create anything that resembles intimacy if we can't even talk about it? Anyway, guys, I'm going to leave it at that. I hope this has been really useful for you. If this is something that has touched a nerve for you, maybe engage with me, reach out, have a conversation with me. If this is something that you, as a couple, want to work with, then maybe it's it would be an opportune moment to have uh, a couple of sessions with me and, and we can work with this together. Anyway, I'll leave that with you. Enjoy it. I hope it's been useful. I'd love to read your comments. And of course, subscribe. See you guys. Keep on loving.